0: in in really trying to seek the Lord about what he would have us uh, look at Um, I want us uh, to begin um, again today in Luke the fourth chapter so if you have your Bibles open them with me to Luke chapter 4 I'm gonna try to do just a a brief review and um, I I believe in reviewing things and um, I don't I don't apologize for that sometimes I I'm tempted to to not review because there's so many new things that I, I want to uh, you know, plant or water or get out there in front of you. But um, there's just some things here that are, that are too important to leave to, to um, you know, just hearing it once and, and moving on. Um, some critical things that I think we need to, to, to deal with and, and to embrace and, and to recognize and be reminded of. Um, The Bible talks about the enemy coming to try to steal the Word, but then the Bible also talks about those who have received the Word over time letting some things slip, amen, letting some things slip, Um, things that we need to keep in the forefront. Um, It's sometimes very easy for us to let those things slip um, from the forefronts of our minds, and so we've been talking since the end of 2018 uh, on a simple subject but an important subject, And that subject is giving uh, our Heavenly Father, giving the Lord the place He deserves in our lives, or we just simply say giving Him place, amen, and exactly what that means, what that looks like, and and most importantly, how to practically and effectively uh, do that in our lives. Now, ultimately, what I'm I'm here to talk to you about this morning is the power of opinion, the power of opinion. Um, I'm not just talking about other people's opinions. I'm I'm specifically referring to your opinion. Amen. And um, there was a time in in Jesus' earthly ministry. I'll give you some of this before we review. And there was a time in Jesus' earthly ministry where he looked at his followers, his disciples, the ones who are really committed to him. And remember, one way we define a disciple is that a disciple is someone who's given the Lord a place in their lives that others have refused to give him. Amen. So these were men who had really given Jesus a place in their lives and, and, and a priority uh, and, and had forsaken all, uh, walked away from profitable businesses um, to follow Jesus. And so Jesus looks at him, and the first question he asks is, um, who do men say that I am? So he's just asking for, you know, what are the popular opinions of him? And, of course, they, you know, kind of dialogue with Jesus as they're walking along, you know, tell him some of the things that other people are saying. And those things, of course, were other people's opinions. But then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Uh, so I, if I could just, you know, translate or paraphrase, Jesus was, was basically asking them, what is your opinion of me? That's their opinion of me. That's what the religious leaders uh, that's their opinion. That's, that's the place they've given me. That's the, re, the way they've received me. Remember, we're talking about three things, reception, response, and results. And, and this is how they've received me. This is, this is the way they've responded to me. And these are the results that I'm able to produce in their lives. But, but what about you? What is, what is your opinion of me? What do you say? What do you say? Because he knew that this was something they had been thinking about. Right? This was, this was something that they had been, had been meditating upon. You know? uh, they weren't, uh, let me say it this way, they weren't 100% sure yet. They knew that they can't hear what they're hearing from Him anywhere else. They've never seen what they've seen Him do uh, being done by anyone else. And, and there's something about Him that, uh, one translation from Peter's words in John 6, where Jesus, when you speak, something comes alive inside of me. You know, but they're still you know, trying to process all of this. And, and Jesus was here to, to what? To help them process it. To, to, to have this conversation with them. And of course, this is when um, the, you know, Father God by the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, what flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So now, listen, I, I, I want to just, if I could, not try to split a hair here. That wasn't necessarily Peter's opinion of him at that moment. That's what I'm saying. In other words, he received that revelation, and he spoke it out of his mouth um, almost impulsively because Peter was was a pretty hair-trigger kind of impulsive guy. Um, And that was something that God the Father revealed to Peter, and Peter spoke out of his mouth, right? But when we start talking about opinion, we're, we're, we're talking about something that you have come to a conclusion uh, uh, for yourself. Amen. Obviously, you know, what Father says is important. What Father God reveals is important. And, and that's what we call the truth, right? But remember, you've got three levels. You've got truth, you've got fact, and then you've got opinion. And your opinion is not more powerful than a fact, right? You can, you know, what's, what's that old saying? Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. You know, so you can have an opinion that, that is contradictory to uh, well-known facts, okay? Um, but remember the difference between facts and truth facts are temporary, subject to change but truth's eternal and so it may be a fact this morning that you're sleepy because you didn't get a full night's rest last night but you can get a nap today and, and you won't be sleepy after that in other words, fact is, is in the moment but, but facts are subject to change the truth never changes the truth is eternal, it's absolute and so again opinion can't change fact nor can it change truth but opinion can change you because it's, the, it's, it's how you personalize and internalize these things, embracing them for yourself, right? So we want our opinions to be based in the truth. Because your opinion is going to determine your reality. So if your opinion is based in something that's not true, you're going to have a reality based in something that is, that is not true. Right? Are you with me? But if your opinion are, are, are reconciled with and lined up with God's truth, then you're going, to, you're going to be experiencing a truth-based reality in your life. And as Pastor Bill Winston says, truth is the highest form of reality. And that's the reality that we want. We want a reality, life experience based on God's truth, not man's facts. Not, not lining our thoughts, words, and actions up with the way things look, seem, and feel right now. That's facts. Amen. Maybe a fact this morning that your leg is hurting. The truth is, by His stripes you were healed. So, we're we going to line our thoughts, words, and actions up with the symptoms. We're we going to line our th- thoughts, words, and actions up with the truth. The truth has the power to change the facts. Facts can never change the truth. Amen. But then we've got this thing called opinion. And opinion is where all this becomes very real in our lives. So, let me ask you before we go any further this morning what's your opinion of Jesus? What's your opinion of Him? What, what do you say about Him? One of the things that we looked at last week, not trying to be too harsh on you this morning, but, you know, there's a lot of people have this thing on their front door. Or I, I know my parents, you know, you went the front door of our house, there's a little brass plaque on there. It's me and my house, we serve the Lord, you know. Uh, a verse out of Joshua, those things are cross-stitched and, and, you know, framed on the walls and on the refrigerator magnets and all this other stuff. But, but serving the Lord is, is, is more than just coming to church. Serving the Lord is actually doing something, right? So a lot of times we can, we can have an opinion. In other words, we, we can think that our opinion is one thing when it really is something altogether different. In other words, we can have this opinion, it's me and my house, we serve the Lord, but really are not serving Him at all, not really doing anything towards service in His kingdom. Amen or old me, I'm, just, I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm just trying to show you. So what is your opinion of Him? Who do you say that He is? Who is He to you? What does He mean to you? And then, of course, where we want to go from there is, do we think He's one thing, but our actions are reflecting another? In other words, do we say He's the most important thing in our lives, but does our time, talent, and treasure reflect something completely different than what we think our true opinion or attitude towards Him really is? Amen. All right, so let's get to that review or else we will never get to it. All right, Luke, the fourth chapter... Verse number 14, Then Jesus returned in power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of Him went out through all the surrounding region. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Now, if you look in the other gospel accounts, you'll see that in you know, greater Galilee, Jesus went from city to city, and the people were glorifying Him there, and He was able to do amazing miracles, healings, Uh, casting out demons, uh, supernatural, uh, you know, manifestations of weather patterns being changed and and so forth and so on. But we see, I apologize, I didn't put them all up there, did I? Um, uh, But we see in direct, uh, you know, comparison to this, when he left Greater Galilee and came to his hometown in Nazareth, it was a completely different experience. Now, I've said this a few different ways a few different times. If you, if you try to, like, Google or, you know, look in, a, in a, uh, um, a, a concordance to find the phrase giving him place or giving him the place he deserves or giving God the place he deserves, you won't find that phrase or those words in that order anywhere in the Bible. Um, what you will find are words like the fear of God. That's talking about giving him place. You'll find words like worship. Again, worship is more than an outward expression. Worship is an inward attitude of the heart that recognizes who God is, who we are in, in relationship to him. You'll find words like honor. Again, all of these are words that, that communicate this idea, this, 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 this truth of giving God place. And now we find this word in Luke 4 and 15 uh, that he was glorified by all. It's speaking of a general consensus. And so this word by definition is speaking of an unsolicited outward expressions unsolicited outward expressions from an inward opinion of the heart. Okay, let me read that again. I didn't do too, too well the first time I went through. Unsolicited outward expressions from an inward opinion of the heart. And that word unsolicited means not asked for something that is given or done voluntarily. So think about that for a moment now. This this is speaking of something that takes place inwardly first and then is expressed outwardly. To just simply express one thing outwardly with a different opinion inwardly is not glorifying God. So again, who do you say that He is? What is your opinion of Him? It's the inward attitude of the heart that God is most, our Heavenly Father is most interested in. He's most concerned about is the inward attitude or the inward opinion of the heart. So to glorify is an unsolicited outward expression from an inward opinion of the heart. And this is what we see happen in greater Galilee. Number one, they recognized and received Jesus as the anointed one sent from heaven. They recognized and received Him as the anointed one sent from heaven. They treated Him with great respect. That's honor. They expressed warm approval, admiration, and gratitude for Him that's praise. They deemed him worthy of their money, effort, and time. This is what it means to invest with dignity. And then finally, they properly valued him. And this is, again, this word esteem is, is to, it's is when you properly value uh, a person or, or a thing in your life. I won't go too far down this road, but one of the, one of the tricks one of the tactics, the strategies of the enemy is to get us all whomperjowed. Do y'all use whomperjowed in y'all's family, right? You get us all out of sorts when it comes to what's really important. Amen. That would be your values. Your values is, is what's important to you. Your values, they're your values. What's important to you? Your values may not be the same values as the person sitting in front of you or behind you or across the aisle from you. But again, your values. And so the enemy would love for us to waste our lives on things that are not important, giving esteem to things and to people and to relationships that really are not important while neglecting or ignoring altogether the ones that are. So we see then that this kind of gives us a framework, if you will, to work with, a way to practically, effectively, experientially give Jesus, give our Heavenly Father the place that they deserve in our lives recognizing and receiving him for who he really is treating him with great respect expressing warm approval admiration and gratitude thankfulness for him deeming him worthy of our money effort and time and then properly valuing or properly esteeming him now <clears throat> this is getting so big that it's hard to review but for those of you who are new to the study what we're going to see next is Jesus leaves greater Galilee and goes to his hometown in Nazareth, and the reception is completely different. The response to him, again, completely different, and the results, what Jesus was able to do among them, completely different. Now, there was one thing that I felt like was, was, was just, it's simple, but it's so key, it so captures I think the heart of, of what Father is, is, is saying to us as a family of faith. And, um, and so I want to I wanna put that slide back up, and then we'll move on to some new stuff. In greater Galilee, they didn't glorify Him because He did miracles among them. He did miracles among them because they glorified Him. So there's a big difference there. When Jesus went to Nazareth, they were kind of sitting back waiting to see what Jesus, you know, show us what you got, Jesus, you know. Um, you're Joseph's son until you show us otherwise. In other words, they, they did not have any admiration for him. They did not uh, value him properly. They did not honor him. They, n- none of that, right? As far as they were concerned, he was just another uh, young man who grew up among them, you know, who had went off and done some things other places that they heard rumors about. Um, but... You know, their attitude... Now, when he came to the synagogue, as he, as he went to all those other synagogues in Greater Galilee, when he came to the synagogue in Nazareth, a huge turnout that morning, right? A lot of people came, or that afternoon, whatever time of day it was. They came to see, but the attitude was not, let's give him the place he deserves, which would have enabled him to do mighty miracles among them. But instead, they wanted him to do something to impress them For them to decide, let me say it another way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They had an opinion of him already, and they wanted him to do something that might change their opinion. It's the power of opinion. But what we see here in Luke, we see it in uh, Mark's gospel, perhaps most uh, poignantly, is that because of of their reception and response, he was unable, not unwilling, unable to do any mighty work among them save he laid his hands on a few sick people and they recovered. Is our reception important? Is our response important? See, again, if we're just talking about folks who lived you know, 2,000 years ago, well, no, 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 this was recorded, the Bible says, to serve as an example for us to learn from an example for us to learn from. Let me ask you, let me say it another way. Did the opinion that people had of Jesus in His hometown affect Jesus's ability to do work among them? And the answer is absolutely yes. And if their opinion of Him affected His ability to do in their lives what He so desperately wanted to do, then who are we to think that our opinion of Him will not also affect what He's able to do in our lives? All of this began All of this began towards the end of 2018 when the Lord spoke this simple thing to my heart. He said, my people are wanting me to do things in their lives that they have not given me place to do. They're wanting me to keep things that they haven't committed to me. He can only keep what you commit to him. And so we, we're not committing things to him, and then those things turn out sour, and we wonder why he failed us, why he let us down, why he didn't keep us, right? Why he didn't keep it. It's because we never committed it to him. So we're expecting him to keep things that we don't commit to him. We're expecting him to do things for us that we haven't given him place to do. And it's a real problem because he's wanting to roll up his sleeves and get busy in our lives. Amen. But we've got to give him that place. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, we're skipping over a bunch of stuff. Maybe we'll come back to it tonight. Let's keep reading here. Luke 4 and verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, one thing I want to remind you of, or if you haven't heard me say this yet, I I want to point it out to you. When it says, as his custom was, this was what he did in all those other synagogues in greater Galilee. And it wasn't a coincidence that somebody handed him the scroll that contained Isaiah 61. He asked for it. This is what He did every other place. This was what He read every other place. So moving to verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord, He read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, this was what Jesus was sent uh, among them to do, to perform all of this, to accomplish all of this, that day, that's, that's what we're going to uh, see next, to proclaim, verse uh, 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. He sat down in a chair that was reserved for the Messiah, powerfully announcing to them that he was the anointed one spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today... Not very soon this will be fulfilled. Not very soon someone will come. Not, no, see, that was what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said, very soon someone is coming, and I'm not worthy to carry their, their, uh, their gym bag. I'm not worthy to tie their shoelaces, right? Jesus didn't say one day or in very near future. He said today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, everything necessary for all of this to be done right here in your lives amongst you is is present right now. All right? Now listen, here's here's the reception and response. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Notice now the general consensus in greater Galilee was glorified by all as the anointed one. But now Nazareth, it's a completely different reception. It's a completely different response. It was a, it was a reception that said, um, you know, the jury's still out on you, Jesus. And the response was, Messiah, are you kidding me? This is this is Joseph's son, is it not? Now, Thank you, Jesus. Let's do this. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Now, before I read any further into this, there's a principle that I'm going I'm to show you in Scripture. But prophetically, one of the things that Jesus came to help us with is to reveal or bring to the surface, bring to light, pull back the curtain... That word reveal means to to show something that's been hidden or or misunderstood or not recognized. He came to reveal our true opinion towards God, right? By revealing our true opinion towards Him. Now, remember what Jesus said. He said... Because you've rejected me, you've rejected God the Father. They were like, God is our Father. We don't know who you are, but but we worship God and God alone. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. Your, Your attitude towards me can't be one thing and your attitude towards my Father be another because me and my Father are one. Now, I know some of these people were just being bullheaded, just arguing, stubborn, right? Some of these people believed that they had the right attitude towards God. They believed that they had a favorable opinion of him and were deceived. They were deceived. Now, notice, again, everybody came to welcome Jesus. Everybody came to hear Jesus. Everybody was complimentary of his gracious message. Man, what a sermon. Wow, I didn't know he had that in him. I didn't. Hmm. Could have fooled me, you know. I mean, he just—he hardly ever spoke when he was working on our, on our house with his dad. You know, I mean, it was just kind of... I mean, I always thought he was a good boy, but I, I didn't know he could talk like that, man. I, that just moved me, Jesus. Man, I've never, I've never heard Isaiah 61 with such conviction and, and passion, and you're so articulate, right? But aren't you Joseph's son? You see, you see it, it wasn't this um, hostility that we're about to see. We're about to see not just these folks get a little irritated or annoyed at him, we're about to see what on the surface seems like uh, at least um, a, a favorable openness. The real opinion of their heart towards Him is about to be revealed when they try to throw Him off a cliff and murder Him. Okay? Amen. Now, if you had, if you had a polled people in Nazareth before all of this took place, hey, we're just here to see what you guys think about Jesus. Say, so, well, you know... Hometown boy made good. I and mean, are we're, we're kind of ready to him come back here and show us some of this. We never saw any of this all these years he lived here. I mean, we've heard all this stuff about him healing people and multiplying food. We even heard, nah this is kind of hard for me to believe, that he raised over in name, Greater Galilee name that he raised a woman's son from the dead. I mean, we're like, come on now, that's got to be too much. But hey, you know, I mean, it, you know, what's that song? Jesus is just all right with me, you know. I mean, that was kind of their attitude. At least that's what I think you would have heard from them. You would not have heard, I don't think you would have heard animosity, you would have heard maybe you know like incredulity whatever, you know incredulous whatever, you know um, not certain, Jury still out that kind of talk, but you would, you would not have heard, hey we'll grab him at the city gate and stone him to death if he comes near here, you've never heard that right? See there's, there was an opinion in their heart that was revealed by Jesus it was in them an opinion that I believe was hidden from them. In other words, they didn't realize that that was their real opinion of him. Amen, Romy. So let's keep reading. I'll let me read this again, I'm sorry. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb, verse 23, Physician, heal yourself. I, wanna, I keep saying I'm going to spend 15 minutes on this, and I keep spending three minutes on this. But let me, just one more time. This, this was a saying popular in their day. If you do some research on this, this would have been like um, a charlatan, a, someone who's like a quack. We might say a, a, a snake oil salesman. You know, someone who would come to town and, and promise, you know, some kind of medicinal cure. Um, but the whole idea of physician heal yourself, this would be like someone who um, is selling you an ointment that would take a limp out of your walk who's limping. In other words, they're actually suffering from the same problem that they claim to be able to cure, that they claim to be able to help you with. Are you following me? So it was, it was kind of like, it, it, was, it was like, hey, you hypocrite is what they're saying here. You know, you're, you're saying that you can come here and help us with our troubles, and we know that you've got troubles. Do you see this? This was, Again, physician heal like Jesus says, So when he says, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, they're like, hold on a second now, Jesus, ain't nobody said that yet, you know. He didn't say they had said it, did he? He said, you will surely say, remember what they said at the cross? He saved others, ha, 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 but himself he cannot save. In other words, they weren't saying, wow, Jesus, you saved other people, but now you're not saving yourself. No, they were like mocking him, saying that you ain't saved nobody. Remember they let that man down through the roof, and Jesus says, your sins be forgiven you? They sucked all the oxygen out of the room. You don't have the power or the right to forgive sin, Jesus says, which is easier? Forgiving sins or saying to a man who's paralyzed from the neck down, take up your bed and walk. But so that you will know I do have the authority to forgive sins, sir, take up your bed and go home. Okay? Now, that infuriated those religious leaders, right? Do you not think some of them were standing there at that cross? He saved others, but himself he cannot save. This was mocking him. This wasn't congratulating them on saving other people and him now not being able to save himself. They didn't believe he saved anybody. They didn't believe he helped anybody. They didn't believe he did any good for anybody and this was mockery. And It's exactly what they said. Amen. Let's keep moving, all right? Whatever you've done in Capernaum, no no notice whatever we have heard done in Capernaum do also here in your hometown. There's prove it, Jesus. We don't believe it. Prove it. Then he said, assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. No prophet is accepted in his own country. Let's keep reading. Verse 25, But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Verse 27, Verse 27, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff." You ever been in a uh, you ever <laughs> you ever been in a situation where you thought everything was going well and all of a sudden <sighs> just the whole thing blew up, Amen? I mean, this didn't surprise Jesus. Jesus knew that this was in them. Remember, he didn't need anybody tell him tell him what was in man because he knew what was in him. He knew this was in them. He knew this was coming. My question is, well, why did he go? He knew it was coming, but they didn't know it was coming. This was an attitude in their heart that they didn't realize they had. And if this isn't exposed and corrected, these people are doomed. And so Jesus came. I mean, he, he walked into the lion's den, if you will. Notice, before they threw him off, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. All right, let me try to wrap this section up. Turn back with me to Luke, the second chapter. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Luke chapter 2. Is it making sense? Are you connecting with it? I I want you to make sure you understand this. Amen. Now... In Luke 4, we have the account of Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. You know, at this point, he's uh, approximately, we would just say, 30 years old. And he's been baptized in water by John the Baptist, and he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he went out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, and then he returned, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. And he began you know, to do what we saw, go to the different synagogues in greater Galilee, read the part about what the Messiah was being empowered by God to do, sat down in the chair that was reserved for the Messiah, and the people recognized him as the Messiah, giving him that place, and he began to work mighty wonders in their lives. Now, we just drop back to, you know, basically his birth. Then they, they bring him to the temple. And... Um, and this is what we see uh, when Simeon uh, comes. In uh, so Luke two, uh, begin at verse twenty-five. And behold, there was a there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that's just another uh, title by which Jesus, the Messiah, uh, was uh, by which he was referred. Um, and the Holy Spirit was upon. Simeon and it had been revealed to him to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ Wow and so keep reading verse 27 so he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents Mary and Joseph brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, So have you have you pictured what's going on here? Simeon has had this experience with God, and God has revealed to him that the long-awaited Messiah will come to the earth in his lifetime. We don't really know when the Lord told Simeon this, we just know that Simeon had, had known it for some time. Now Simeon is up in years, and he still hasn't seen the Messiah. But notice now he came by the Spirit into the temple. He was led by the Spirit into the temple. Temple and synagogues are different things, okay? Um, Think like main headquarters and and outposts, okay? And so this time he's being led by the Spirit. He he comes to the temple, and he comes in there, and it just so happens, no coincidence here, right? Providence, not coincidence, that Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus in to do what was customary, uh, you know, the the whole naming him and all that stuff, um, according to the custom of the law. And so Simeon sees him and goes over and, and takes Jesus uh, from Mary. Amen. You know it had to be in the spirit, right, for a new mother, first child, you know, to let, the, let some stranger take hold of him, right? <laughs> takes, uh, um, y'all are a tough bunch this morning, right? Amen. Remember, new mothers say, don't touch my baby. Second child, they say, would you like to hold my baby? Third child says, please take my baby, right? Okay, so amen. So it's the first child. Simeon takes the child, and he says this. Took him in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of of all peoples, not just the Jewish people, but all peoples, right, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Then, notice, keep reading, verse 23, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined... For the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall not be spoken against. And then this last verse. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, comma, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. All right, we're fixing to wind this down. Let me just say this and we'll pick it up here tonight. It's almost like when, you know, Simeon is prophesying and blessing and and, and declaring, you know, if, if we were like, you know, a movie production team, you know, we would have the lighting just right and... And the ah ah right, you know, just, like this this great music, you know, because this is a moment, dude. I'm telling you, this is a moment in Jesus's uh, you know uh, newly born, newly arrived uh, uh, existence, and uh, this is something that um, he had seemingly been handpicked by God to do. Um, to bless this child, to prophesy over this child. And, you know, he's talking about him being salvation to all peoples and the glory of of Israel. And, and, you know, you, you just expect this thing just to keep building and keep building and keep building to some crescendo, to some grand finale, you know, where, you know, you just hear the echo of the orchestra, you know, in the room while everybody stands there with their mouths open. That's not how this encounter ended. Instead, we see Simeon tell Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also. Meaning what? Well, I think among other things it's speaking of her standing there watching her son beaten almost to death, stripped naked, nailed to a cross, mocked and shamed and ridiculed. What mother should ever have to endure that? But then this next phrase it almost sounds like it doesn't fit here that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed that word thoughts it means reasoning opinions reasoning opinions that the reasoning opinions of many hearts May be revealed. That word revealed means make known what's hidden. Make known what's hidden. So, do you see now why, as Jesus is beginning this earthly ministry with his disciples, he says, So, what are people saying about me? Jesus was not like press hungry. Jesus was not like on some ego trip wanting to hear all the headlines. That was absolutely that thought could not be further from where Jesus was. He tried to dissuade people from telling what he did for them to keep the crowds from expanding. But he was trying to show here the importance of the opinion in one's heart towards him. Singers, musicians, if you would please come. The opinion in our hearts towards Him. Did Jesus come to set the captives free? Absolutely. Did Jesus come? We could just go on and on and on, all the things that Jesus came to do. But we can't overlook this. Jesus came to reveal secret and hidden opinions. Secret and hidden opinions. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Let me just give you a preview of what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? Attitude, I've never said it this way before. Attitude is the gumbo of the soul. The reason it's so difficult to define attitude is because attitude is made up of a whole bunch of ingredients. But the one ingredient in all the ingredients that go into the recipe of an individual's attitude, the one ingredient that has the most power over all the other ingredients is the ingredient of your opinion your opinion the opinion that you have okay now why is this important opinion is the most powerful factor in your attitude and your attitude is what determines how you respond to a thing to a situation to a person, to an individual. Your attitude towards a thing, towards a person, towards an individual. Let me say it another way. Your true attitude towards Jesus is not reflected in what you think your attitude towards Him is. What you think your opinion of Him is. Your true attitude towards Jesus is reflected in your response to Him. Because attitude determines response, response is the greatest indicator of our true attitude. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Father, I thank you for these beautiful men and women. Lord, thank you for these young people. Lord, it so touches my heart to see them up towards the front. So touches my heart, Father, to see them participate in in worship and praying for one another, praying for other folks. Thank you, Father, for our children, Lord, and Children's Church this morning. Thank you, Father, that key attitudes are being formed in all of us this morning. May it be the right attitude towards you, Jesus, the right opinion of you. Father, I pray right now by the Holy Spirit that you would reveal to each of us what our true opinion of Jesus really is. Father, not what we say it is, not what we think it is, but what it truly is. Father, this is such a difference maker in our lives. No wonder the enemy tries so hard to deceive us in these areas. But Jesus, you came to show hidden opinions, to reveal them, to give us the opportunity to repent, to give us the opportunity to say, hey, hold on a second. This something's not adding up here. Forgive us, Father, for treating you lightly or casually or flippantly. Forgive us, Father, for treating you as an afterthought to our lives at best. Help us to see and understand your value, your worth. you and you alone are worthy of our time, our effort, our money, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just feel, I feel compelled to do this. First of all, you say, I'm here this morning and I've never... I've never been born again. I've never received Jesus. But today's my day. Is there anybody just real quick just raise your hands. I'd like to receive Jesus. I'd like to receive his gift of salvation this morning. Anybody? Amen. Anybody here this morning you say, "You know, I need to I need to rededicate myself. Maybe you were born again earlier in life, but it's just time to to rededicate." Amen. Anybody? Anybody? Amen. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, all of us. Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Father, you know my heart. You know it better than I know it. You know what I think. And you know what my true opinions are. I ask you to reveal them to me. I ask you to help me see See more clearly, hear more clearly, understand more clearly. I ask you to forgive me, Father, for not giving you the place in my life and in my family that you deserve. I'm purposing now to do better, but I need your help, and I humbly ask you for it. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for me, for all that you've given to me. Help me now to take a step up and to answer your upward call upon my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Let's sing together this morning before we're dismissed. If you'd like to be prayed for, these altars are open, we be happy to pray.